Hello, everybody. Welcome to Reaction Shots for September of the Apocalypse, as we were just saying, <laughs> as Tokyo Slim said. Um, we are joined, of course, by Tokyo Slim. Hello. Patron saint of Reaction Shots. Good evening. Michael P. Huber. What's up, Tokyo Slim? Co-host. You know, not much. Sweet. It was just my birthday <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Other than oh. Me too. Me too. 17th. Happy birthday. I'm 40. You're 40? Nice. Yeah. I'm getting I hit there. 33. I hit you're only 33? 33. You're, you're, you're a sweet summer's child. 34? 33. I'm actually not sure how old I am. If either. I was born in 87, am I 33? Oh, math. This is not a math podcast. Yeah, this is a movie podcast. Unless it's frame rates, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, this this month we are talking about Nicolas Cage. We will hear from patrons what their favorite Nicolas Cage movies are, performances, and I asked for fun facts about Nicolas Cage with bonus points for citation uh, for the source of the fact, and many people did oblige also uh the three of us we don't know each other's yet but at the end of the podcast we will uh we will bestow upon each other our individual top 10s or i think 15 in your case you said tokyo slam i have a top 15 yeah fair uh, enough i'm glad we're doing it at the end i i do have a confession to make i did not prepare any quotes for today i ran out that's of okay uh, morgan mahala did furnish us with a game Oh. So we will have a game at the end, too. Uh, so that'll be good. But first, before we jump into Les Topic, we must do What Have You Liked Lately? Tokyo Slim, have you liked anything lately? Uh, I've been watching a lot of stuff lately because there's not much else to do. Um, I saw the new Bill and Ted. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was delightful. I have, you know... There, there's like minor issues I have with it, which is like every other movie, yeah, but it's, yeah. it was a, it was a very fun, um, you know, it was a cute movie. I liked it. I agree completely. Like, yeah, you could pick it apart, but that's true of the entire Bill and Ted right. franchise. <laughs> and like, I think it, so it, much time it, has it, passed. It was just really jarring for me. And also like in between two and this, we've got John Wick and, yeah. Like all these other stuff that like changes the way that you view Keanu his his like face, you know, like Yeah. He's gone I from it a little harder to get back into him being like this naive, you know, kind of bumbling, you know, but kind-hearted dummy and like Yeah, dude, it's John Wick now. It's like it seems like he that. had a little trouble getting back into it too. Like his performance felt a little yeah. stiff weirdly and it's the he oldest was. he's ever looked. Which I mean is fine. He's he's not aged for five hundred right. years. Like it's bound to happen eventually. He's like sixty or something, right? Yeah. Well, Eight? if not thousands of years old, right? We've seen the photographic evidence. Yeah, both him and Nick Cage. Yeah, but like, uh, yeah, I thought Bill and Ted Three was on my list too, which is why I'm piping in now. But uh, I loved it. Yeah, it it just nailed the attitude of it. Like it, it, totally. it's not high art. It's just like feel good, dumb fun. And that's all it needed to be. And I thought it was good. Anything else you liked lately? Um, I watched a lot, of, a lot of Nick Cage just preparing for this stuff. I hadn't seen in a while stuff. I'd only seen once that like 
maybe I didn't really like. I went back and rewatched uh, Snake Eyes. Uh, somebody in the comments, I don't remember who it was, but somebody in comments was like, Snake Eyes is my favorite. Yeah. And I remember not liking it, and we had a little discussion in the comments section about it. I was like, I'll rewatch it before uh, reaction shots. Watch it this that, afternoon. That's Tef. There you go. There you go. Um, I, I, I rewatched it this afternoon. Uh, I While it is not on my list of favorite 15s, it is it is much more enjoyable than I remember it being. Okay. Uh, yeah, because that's one I remember not liking too. So I, I need to rewatch it, I guess. It's uh it's um kind of a Rashomon esque that has different perspectives of mm-hmm. the, like flashbacks of like what happened during this event that it kind of throws at you. And each one kind of adds a new little piece to the puzzle, so you like kind of put it together. My main criticism of the movie is that it shows you the stuff that it's about to tell you in flashbacks before it tells you in flashbacks uh, sometimes. So like, you know, like who the bad guy is before the kind of big, like flashback reveal and everybody's like really surprised about it. You're not surprised because yeah, you're like, I already knew this. I, I knew this already, you know, like that's my biggest gripe with the movie, but the cinematography and the way the camera's set up is there's a, a really long single shot. The shot above the, the I remember the shot above the, uh, all the rooms where the it's like a cross yeah. section of I remember that distinctly. Hey, wait a minute, what are we doing? This is on topic. This is on topic discussion. Right, we can't talk right. about this yet. But that's what I watched. So I watched that today, and uh, just letting letting everybody know, you know, it's all right. Um, <laughs> Anything non Nicholas Cage that you've oh, liked man. recently? Um, trying to think of what else i watched the show doesn't have many rules but this is the one this is the one rule yeah same i'm going going to have to pass then i think all right all right just been watching nick cage movies if i remember something else i'll chime in later this part's always stressful for me because i always figure like there's something i'm it always feels like i'm forgetting something Mm because i'm always like i know i watched something else that i liked huber what have you liked lately dude altered carbon man season really great dude it was just canceled I know. Well, Beth had watched it a while back. So I, she like wanted to rewatch it. She, she loves rewatching things um, with me that I haven't seen. And just because it got canceled, I was like, God damn it. Should have supported it when it was out. Yeah. Really good show, dude. Just like that hard sci-fi. That really hard shit. One. Yep. Yeah. Season two. The, no Joel Kinnaman hurts, you know? Yeah. Anthony Mackie's awesome, but he doesn't he have that edge. He doesn't have that danger, you know? Joel Kinnaman has that, like, unhinged, gonna, like, go berserk in a second. Whereas, you know, Anthony Mackie plays it a little more reserved, a little more calm. I, mean, I just love Anthony Mackie. Like, such a jolly dude. So there's, I'm not feeling the, the danger from him. There's always the issue, too, of two characters playing the same role and kind mm-hmm. of like the way they do it is different. So it doesn't really translate as well. Like, yeah, it, it, I, I, I kind of felt like it could have been a, a separate person. I know that's not the way the story goes, but like, you know, I wasn't feeling that they were the same person for a lot of the story. A lot of like, there's like mannerisms and stuff that I think could have been done better and totally that kind of stuff. But as far as just like world building and crazy, um, good, crazy, yeah, good science good. fiction show. Very good top tier highly recommend season one like just watch season one like you know even canceled whatever like season one is its own it's its own arc you can just watch it amazing yeah i started it i never finished it i gotta finish it really slow start 
watching it with Beth, I was like, dude, no wonder people bailed out. Cause like, there's no stakes for a minute. Yeah. Like it takes a couple episodes and it's like, okay, now similar with the boys, which I started season two. Oh yeah. That was the one I was forgetting. Yeah. I watched the first three of season two. Yeah. 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 The first, the first couple episodes are like pretty chill. And then finally it's like, okay, now we have real stakes. I'm fully invested. Did they put three out at the same time? Is that what they did? Yeah. Three at once. Okay. And then every Friday, uh, there's nice. like eight, going to be eight total. So I'm liking the boys. It was, it was a little slower start because season one had the the shock value, you know? Yeah. We're now season yeah, two. You now, didn't, now we You didn't see that. the blood coming in season yeah. one. So now season two doesn't have. Exactly. So season two doesn't have that, you know, surprise Some pretty element. shocking, some pretty <laughs> shocking <laughs> violence in the boys <laughs> season two still. <laughs> sure. Pretty wild One of the stuff. things was totally uncalled for. I won't spoil it. Like, there's something in the first three episodes. I was like, can we just not do this? I remember like, one of them being like, whoa, but I don't remember yeah. what it was now. Yeah. Uh, Anything so else? Was, uh, and then High Score. Oh, yeah. The video game documentary. I, I've, I've seen nothing but, like, disrespect for the show. I don't understand it. Uh, the representation is really good for a video game documentary. Uh and I learned a lot of things like I re- it's a really easy watch six episodes. They range from like 40 to 50 minutes, really good arc from like early days of the arcades and like Pac-Man all the way to it ends with 3d games like doom. Um, I highly recommend it. I, again, I've seen nothing but weird negativity towards it. I really don't understand why, huh. uh, but I thought it was a really good watch. Every time I bring it up, people are like scoffing. Like, huh. Weird. A lot of, a lot of people, people are like, "Oh, I heard it. I heard the art is is like redundant because they use like eight bit art on some things." So it's like, okay, oh, yeah. Oh no. Oh no, eight bit <laughs> art. Or like, oh, I heard it's like really like surface level. Like, I don't know. I guess I'm not a know it all, so I learned some things. <laughs> like, shit, dude. Yeah, I love you going I, after these people. Yeah, like I back this show hard. I don't understand the hate. It's a, it's like a mainstream video game documentary on Netflix. Really cool. Made me nostalgic for all the video games. Made me just love video games. Like, what's from? I haven't I seen it yet, but I have heard good things about it. So good. Okay. Maybe maybe the people good. who you're just listening to just just don't yeah. understand. I don't know, Tokyo Slim. Hey, hey, I heard that the. Loud. I heard that the art is redundant, you know, and it's, it's pretty surface level. I think that comment is redundant. Yeah. <laughs> and surface level. Anything else, Hubie? I expect more from critiques of my video game media. Yeah, right. Uh, next reaction shots, I'll be fully caught up in the Vampire Diaries cinematic universe. <laughs> oh, good. So I'll, good, be, good. I'll be given a good, like, 10 minute deep dive. Be ready. Okay, great. Yeah. Looking next forward time. to it. Yeah. Uh,. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I watched Bill and Ted 3. I watched um, a movie called Vivarium. It's garbage. Don't watch it. Uh, It thinks it's deeper than it is. Uh, That one's surface level, and the art is redundant, literally. But um, Sophia and I, I can't remember why, watched the first 10 minutes of the first episode of Gossip Girl and then the last episode, most of the last episode of Gossip Girl, because I was like... I was like, who's Gossip Girl? And then I Googled it and found out. And then we were like, let's watch the last episode. And then we watched it. Hell it, yeah. It was the most absurd. 
That show is awful. <laughs> no, what? dude, no. Blair Waldorf, one of the greatest TV characters of all time. I will back it till the day I die. Blair Waldorf. I, I knew guy. that. I knew that you would be a Gossip Girl stand, yeah. dude. I just yep. knew it. Yep, I love it. I am. I am Team Waldorf for life. <laughs> love it. Um, I recently rewatched. I, I jumped back in and watched a couple of episodes of The Next Generation and The X Files. And those were, they're still, I mean, they're still great. I watched... Just random ones? I watched Disaster because Red Letter Media had done their top 10 or top fives of the next generation. So I watched Disaster because I couldn't remember. I've seen it, but I couldn't remember it well. It's a fun app. Uh, but uh, I've been watching the two that I wanted to talk about most. Uh, I watched Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and The Next Level. Uh, nice. Appropriately, big... Um, National Treasure vibes, kind of <laughs> like they yeah. just are like fun adventure movies, and I loved them. I never saw a second one. It's fine. It's good. Yes. It's not maybe as good as the first, but it's like basically the same thing, so it doesn't they matter. Cranked that movie. Out, oh my god, dude. they looked like Ubisoft on that. Yeah, like that sequel just dropped. It was like the next year or two years later, yeah. I think. Yeah, it was I think like a lot of that has to do with like just scheduling the rock. Like you, you, you get what you get, you know. Yeah, yeah. dude is working twenty four seven. You cash in while you got him. Well, and, and having a movie that films in Hawaii, I'm sure, is 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 a perk. Is a nice perk. I think I might have been in Hawaii while they were filming that because I <laughs> we were on like a thing and they said like over there is where they're filming a Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie or something. And it might have been that one. I don't know. Nice. Um, and then I've been, been uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, it might have been. It may have mm. been Hobbs and Shaw. Actually, I think it might have been Hobbs and Shaw. I'd have to figure out what year I was there, but I don't remember how to think. So, uh, also, I've been watching Lovecraft Country. Have you guys been watching that? I haven't started it. I've heard both good and bad things about that show, so I haven't I haven't I, delved into it yet. But it's a very interesting show to me because. Without giving too much away, I I like it. I don't love it. I want to love it. I guess it's just different from what I wanted it to be. But I don't know what I wanted it to be. But it, it it's a very strange thing because it's like pseudo-episodic, pseudo-serialized. Storyline kind of carries through, but every episode has like a totally different vibe. And I guess that's intentional. I guess it's like it, they they're trying to do like a serialized anthology show kind of where like the characters in their situation is is a through line obviously and like they're they're dealing with the same stuff but like each episode is like a different thing and it it makes it feel like it's moving at like a billion miles an hour because several times you're like well this will be the bad guy of the season and then it's like well okay never mind <laughs> you know and it's just like i don't know it's a weird show but there's a lot of it lot in it to like so but it's definitely very pulpy and the sort of like super heavy pulp mixed with some really serious subject matter sometimes is like a little like whiplash but i don't know all in all i think i like it i hope i think i'll probably look back on it and like it more once i see the full picture i don't know I don't know. It's on my list to watch. I just don't usually like. I don't usually watch serialized shows until they're all done and I can yeah. binge them. I did remember something else I've been watching though. I did watch. I think season just randomly like season four of Lucifer on Netflix. Oh, 
um, which is I think not the current season, but like an older, like maybe the second old, second to current season or something. Um, but yeah, I don't know really why I started watching. I just it was one of those shows I was just like cooking and I was like I'm gonna put something on and it just was like first up in the queue. So I was like, all right, go for it. <laughs> and uh, had you seen seasons one through three? I I, I believe I watched seasons one and two <laughs> on a very long air airplane ride that's uh, an incredibly long airplane, airplane ride yeah or, or maybe it was two airplane rides i don't know it was like i don't know it was probably like five years ago four years ago something like that um it was it's been a while um, yeah and i may not have seen the whole thing but yeah i'm like familiar with the concept of the show it's you know the, one of the several uh vertigo character spin-offs i think i think right. it's vertigo that's which was the imprint right. of dc because i've been listening right. to the audiobook of sandman and lucifer and constantine like show up in it and the justice league shows up kind of which i forgot about oh i think i remember why i started watching it i started watching it because of the um arrowverse because uh, oh. because he shows up in arrowverse Oh really? And like during a crossover, and I was like, "Huh, I think I've seen the, I've seen the show. I'll check it out again sometime or whatever." And then recently rewatched the Keanu Reeves Constantine. That movie's a hoot, man. It is. I like I like that movie. That it, it is. That's I think an underrated gem. I don't know. Yeah, if it's say that, but like I remember everyone hating it when it came out. I saw it in theaters, and I remember thinking it was like fine. But rewatching it now, I, I had a much deeper appreciation for it. I guess I was like, yeah, this is a pretty fun movie. Not high art, obviously, but let's talk about some high art. Why don't we? Let's talk about Nicolas Cage, uh, the man, the legend, the pachinko spokesperson. That's right. He knows the whole alphabet dramatically. And he's, he's just never got misfiled anything. He never misfiled anything, and he's got amazing hair. Whether or not it's his, who knows? In on your screen, it's a bird. <laughs> uh, he's always a blast. Invalid. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't argue with somebody whose hair was a bird. You just couldn't. Impossible. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll begin the way we always begin because I asked all the patrons what their favorite Nicolas Cage movies are. And uh, usually they tick off the big boxes. We actually have some pretty glaring uh, omissions. Um, one person brought up one of my favorites, I think. Uh, glaring omissions will happen with somebody with, an, with such a broad... Yeah, 106 films. Their 106 movies as an actor, according to IMDb. Uh, good stuff. All right, Michelle, Michelle Jackson... Favorite Nicolas Cage movie? Gotta be National Treasure 2. Honestly, I've probably seen 25 movies in my lifetime, and at least a third of them are Nicolas Cage films. I don't know why that is. <laughs> I love that. I love National Treasure 1 and 2. Uh, unabashedly, unashamedly, unironically. I think those movies are fantastic, fun adventures. Agreed. Yes. I, I you know, I keep like uh kind of drawing the the connection it's like goonies for adults you know yeah like, uh it's a fun adventure there's like gadgets that are like you know old old gadgets that you have to like your puzzles or whatever you know it's a, it's a puzzle game in a movie it, form it so is like it it scratches the itch of indiana jones or uncharted yeah. but 
in just like a zany or lighthearted way, you know. It's like Sahara had similar vibes and the mummy, the f- the first mummy. Yeah. And Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle and the Next Level. <laughs> uh, what are you going to say? Love you Brendan Fraser. Yes. Yeah. Shout out of course to Brendan Fraser. Uh, Brad Brad Ellis will see any movie if Brendan Fraser's in it. He's like, I'm in, no matter what. That's awesome. I haven't watched that O.J. Simpson thing that he was in. He was in that, right? Or he was in something. Yeah, was that him? Was he in that? He was in something. Yeah. Yeah. David Schwimmer was was in it. Yeah, it was a good show. I think that was really good. I think he might have been in it. Otherwise, we're thinking of something else. Tell us in the yeah. comments. He's in something. I've seen people versus OJ. I can't even tell you. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I've got a bone to pick with Roku, by the way. Damn I want Roku. I like Roku. It's my favorite interface. But they're dicking around on this HBO Max thing, and it's pissing me off. Settle your dumb squabble with HBO, Roku. Whatever it is. I'm tired of it. Roku or the HBO Max dicking around? I don't know if it, well, HBO Max is like a weird enterprise anyway, but like because (laughs) I've been a subscriber to HBO now, I would be grandfathered into HBO Max, but Roku doesn't have HBO Max yet, and it's stupid. I want to watch Class Action Park, damn it. For some reason, I'm very interested in watching that documentary, (laughs) and I might cancel my Roku subscription and get it on my broken-ass PS4. Just to try to watch that documentary. Also you raised by wolves, PS4 I guess. Thing taken care of, man. I'm just waiting for the PS5. It's only going to be two more months, and then I'll have yeah. one. So it's like, whatever. Unless I get Whoa. like hosed out of pre-orders or something. Dude. I'll just, cu- I'll just It's going to be a crap shooting. It's going to be a crap shoot. I'll just cuddle my 3080 shoot. if I get in on that train. Right. If we, if we can get in on that train. Yeah. yeah. Totally Day one, baby. I've got a notification set. It's like buying <laughs> concert tickets. Uh, except... Six times less expensive. <laughs> uh, Chris Snow, favorite movie, The Rock. Love his interactions with Sean Connery. Prolific bastard, Sean Connery. Yeah, That's my note. Bastard. I added that. Chris didn't say that. Uh, it's really Ian a buddy let me flick. know in detail how much of a prolific <laughs> bastard Sean Connery is. And Just agree. an incredible bastard. Yeah. Uh, but The Rock, yes. Fantastic. Uh, Stanley Goodspeed. We got green smoke. We got green smoke. We got green smoke. Green smoke. Green smoke. Abort. Abort. <laughs> I will not give that order. We're gonna just shout. Order. I will not get. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> we can just shout the rot quotes at each other for the rest of this episode. I'd be happy. Oh, good. Uh, the listeners probably wouldn't be, but the rock so stupid and so fun. Yeah. But also like not a good movie. I rewatched it. Criterion collection. A lot of these different. Disagrees. I mean, here's the thing. It's a good. It's a great. It's a great movie. But I rewatched it a number of years back, and it was slower than I remembered. Hmm. Um, But damn it! Now I want to watch The Rock right now, though. Carla was the prom queen. I'm like feeling old now. This is the weirdest. Well, you're 33 or 34. I always remember my boy in that movie. I forget his name. He's in Hard Eight. Who is he? He's in Hard Eight. Give us He's more, in... more examples. He's the lead in Hard Eight. Hold on. He's uh, um, it's I haven't seen Philip Baker Hall. Philip Baker Hall. Okay. Philip Baker Hall. When he says, "I wake up like three times a night just to take a piss," 
Oh yeah. I, I wake up in the middle of the night now, like because I'm feeling old to go to the restroom like multiple times. So yeah, that's dude. my main takeaway from The Rock is that line from Philip Baker Hall. <laughs> waking up, I can relate. It's my takeaway. Lately, I've been waking up to the human element. Yeah. The human experience. Lately, I've been waking up because it's just so damn hot in my room. And I'm like, I'm like so dehydrated from sweating all night. Also, like Michael Bean versus Ed Harris. Yeah, dude. That's a, that's a, that's a God tier matchup. Yeah. That great villain. That movie is is fantastic. Perfect. Ed Harris is so good in that because it's like, he's one of those villains where you you like you disagree you with his it. methods, but you're yeah. like, I I know how you got to this place. I see why totally. you think this way. Like you're he crazy. Such a good villain, dude. Underappreciated villain. Yeah, dude. Ed Never Harris, seen him man. on a top ten for that movie. Yeah, I don't know but if he the, beats top you got 10, Tony Todd, the Candyman himself, is in that movie too. Yep, like, Candyman for oh, sure. Yeah. I've never seen Candyman. You like how this shit works. Have I ever told you this? I have a very strange story about Candyman. Someone described Candyman to me as a kid. Did I tell you about this? No. Uh, Someone described Candyman to me as a kid, but I was so young. I misunderstood because they described Candyman. They just said, like, he's this black man who comes and he he does this stuff and he's got a hook for a hand or whatever. I thought because I was like seven that he was like literally the color black. And then I was like, like a shadow. And then I was like super scared of this like shadow man. (laughs) And and then I I told my mom about it, the candy man and stuff. And then I told her, I was like, it's this black shadow man who comes, you know? And then she was like, well, are are you like afraid of like black men now? And I was like, not like that mom. And I was like, cause I thought (laughs) I knew, I understood what she meant. Like, cause she knew what the movie was. She knew that it was just a guy. But I was picturing this like monster, <laughs> so she thought I was going to be afraid of that, and I was like, "No, mom, he's a he's like a big black monster man." So that was a stupid <laughs> naivete from my seven year old youth. Nice. Similar situation when I was when I I hadn't seen Blair Witch Project, but I'd had it s- described to me, and it was much scarier in my head. I was like tore up about it for a long time. And then I finally watched it and I was like, well, that's not so bad. Dude, that movie scares the shit out of me. Yeah, I mean, it's scary as hell, but I was like, that was in the time when it just came out and people thought it was like real. Got it. So they were Got like it. describing it to me. Anyway. I had a lot of fun when that movie came out. I was working at the movie theater and uh, we uh, were up on the roof and we would drop little stick men at the awesome. entrance doors. Oh, that's so fun. People would walk out of the theater. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's the kind of theater experience I want. Yeah, dude. Well done. I loved working at movie theaters. I worked at movie theaters through high school and and through college. Uh, good stuff. The the landmark theater in Chicago. If you're ever in Chicago, it's still there. I think it was there a few years ago. It's, it's at like what? It's a, it's a landmark. It's at the top of like a spiraling mall that's like mostly empty. So the whole mall is like a ghost town. And then there's this really nice landmark at the top of it. And people in Chicago don't understand assigned seating and they hate it. <laughs> Whereas out here in LA, it's like a, it's like a necessity. Like if a theater doesn't have assigned seating, it causes mass pandemonium. Yeah. Anyway, Spencer from Canada, favorite film, National Treasure, hand down the best heist adventure film in the Indiana Jones space. Same feel as the Goonies, like you said. Goonies, though, is funny because 
Goonies is a ground floor movie to me where it's, I, I, I took for granted how much I love the Goonies. And then I've had several people tell me that they didn't watch it when they were kids and they tried Same. to watch it because everyone's obsessed with it and they hated Same. it. <laughs> Same. Yep. That's me. Do not you didn't, like the Goonies. You didn't get in on the ground floor. Didn't get in on the ground floor. Watched it after the fact. Don't Man. like it at all. It's a fun I was spot. like, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. I was yeah. just like, oh. I was like, oh, it's fine. I was I was made into a social pariah for a week at in elementary school because somehow I'd seen like I don't know if it was the Disney Channel version, but I'd seen the version that had the octopus in it, hmm. and no one at school would believe me. They all thought I was making it up that there was an oh. octopus, and so I became like this pariah about this octopus for a Is week. It a director's cut. The the like home video release did not have the octopus, but they left in the line that data says when he goes, the octopus was very Whoa. scary. He says that even in the version where they cut the octopus out, it's very strange. Yeah. I don't think uh, I ever saw the octopus version until like the, I want to say like the special edition DVD or whatever came out, whenever they first put it back in. Yeah. Uh, like uh, uh, probably you know, 10 years ago, maybe something like that. Oh, that was the first time you'd seen it. Yeah. First time I ever saw it. Was at all not the Goonies, but like the octopus. oh the octopus oh yeah, yeah 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 I'd heard about it obviously I just had like there was there was nowhere to watch it it's very weird it's a weird different it's also while I'm syndroming out uh, as Hubert would say I got a bone to pick with who was it Bob Iger somebody one of the one of those weird Disney guys Let's cut out Bob Iger. yeah probably yeah. cut out Shots. cut out the song the love. The Love is Gone, I think it's called, from Muppet Christmas Carol. Hmm. He cut it out because he thought it was too sad, which, to be fair, it is like the saddest song ever written. But it screws up the entire emotional arc of of uh, Michael Caine in that entire movie. Like, that song, seeing that breakup, is what changes everything. And without it, the movie just falls apart. Whatever, that movie's great anyway. Um, <laughs> Ken Lutz's favorite film, of course, you got to put the bunny back in the box, Con Air. It was my introduction to Cage, and it never ceases to be a great time. Connor is a movies with perfect casting. Yeah, oh god, yeah. So many people in that movie. Cyrus the virus. Cyrus dude. the virus, dude. Let's go. Steve Buscemi in that. He's so creepazoid. Mm-hmm. Andy Trejo. We got yeah. Everybody's in that. Connor, dude. Define yes. irony. A bunch of ex-cons on an airplane listening to a band, listening to a song by a band made famous by dying in a car or in a plane crash <laughs> or something like that. Uh, John Malkovich, one of his best performances is on. My favorite, though, have you guys seen In the Line of Fire? No. Clint Eastwood? Nope. Dude. John Malkovich I- in that? Oh, my God. One of my favorite movies going up. He tries to assassinate the president and Clint Eastwood is Secret Service. John Malkovich as the villain, it is so good. He's so good in that. That movie rules. I've been thinking about that movie a lot lately. I want to watch it again. It's been a while. I wonder why. One of my... <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, one of my dad... My dad loves... <laughs> my dad loves, like political shit and like historical shit and like jfk uh you should have him watch season two of the umbrella academy (laughs) yeah but in line of fire i remember is like one of his favorites he's like watched it with him growing up it's awesome what's the dead zone where he 
tries to assassinate the president. Isn't Christopher Walken in the movie? Manchurian yeah. Candidate? Manchurian Candidate, the candidate also that. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch. Uh, Dude, the original is, is with Christopher Walken. Yeah. Dead Zone, yeah. And then they did a show Sinatra. about it, I think. My dad's uh, obsessed with Manchurian Candidate. He made me watch that too with Sinatra. That's Parallax a long view. movie. Parallax View, my dad Parallax loves that view. one too. <laughs> Does your dad like the conversation? It's not expressly Dude, political. It. That's like one of he my favorite it. movies. That movie's amazing. It. Ugh, the My conversation is taste. so good, dude. Yeah, he does if he likes the conversation. Manchurian candidate, a little dry. <laughs> oh yeah, that's all politics, really. It's just a big. Everything's just like a soap opera. It is. Con Air though, uh, majestic hair when he comes out of the plane and the wind just blows his hair. That You're just like, almost, I don't think this that is was real. Almost back there, I do. Yeah. <laughs> is there a TV behind that monitor? There is. What's happening over there? <laughs> layers and layers and like an onion, you know. Yeah. The cage. The cage. Uh, Tyler Travis's favorite is Raising Arizona, which I agree. I love Raising Arizona. That movie, though, it, it does the classic Coen Brothers thing where it gets like kind of sad at the end. <laughs> And like builds you up with with all the comedy and the feels, and then it gets like melancholy and bittersweet at the end. But it's good. It's just good. Uh, do you guys like Raising Arizona? It's been a while. I do enjoy it. It's probably one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. I'm not a huge fan in general, like of of their entire body of work. I like some of them. I don't like some of them. Uh, but that is one of the ones I do like. And I think mostly just because, you know, like Nick Cage, Holly Hunter and, you know, oh, their, yeah. their, their, their chemistry together and just kind of like the unpredictability of that film is, is pretty cool. Um, My fiance left me. She said her fiance left her. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. Uh, it's funny because I love the Coen brothers and Raising Arizona is middle maybe for me of their middle tier oeuvre uh it's no country oh <laughs> the most perfect film ever made besides paddington 2 <laughs> is no country uh, your number one or do you just think it's like the, a perfect movie uh because you can do that i love doing uh, i mean like, no yo, country... it's not my favorite but i know it's the best <laughs> no country for old men i i i do assert is among the most, the closest to perfect movies that you could make, I think. Like, just like formically, every frame of that movie is 100% in their control, which I think is just, yeah, it's immaculate. It's God tier. It's God tier. It literally, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. And, and so is Paddington, too, frankly. Um, I yeah. I, Same. Dude, Paddington, too. Uh, and then, and then watch my old easy update about how you could form an entire philosophy about, well, see, this is the thing. I feel like I've already seen Paddington 2 because <laughs> it's great. I've never seen Paddington 1. <laughs> I think it's unnecessary. Yeah, Paddington 2 holds together, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, favorite, my favorite movie, movie is Princess Bride. Stands alone. Uh, Princess Bride. You can see, if you're in the film club, you can see Huber and mine ever changing. We actually updated it recently. I re- I updated mine recently. I changed my top 10 a little bit. Added some newer movies to it. 
Yeah, but it goes on and on. It's like 100 movies each, but <laughs> we have a top 10, I think. Uh, Varun Kachwaha says, my favorite personal, my personal favorite Nick Cage film has to be Mandy. The aesthetics, the acting, the action, it all just combines into an LSD-fueled dreamscape that captivates from beginning to end. I acknowledge that the first third is a little slow, but I think that's necessary to really make you feel the same rage the character does throughout the film. The score by, uh, Johan Johansson, I think, unfortunately his last was just hauntingly beautiful and really was a perfect accompaniment to the film. I'd agree with all that. I love Mandy. I think that movie is cray cray. It's on my October list this this year. Nice. Have you seen it? Mm-mm. Oh, Huber. Get ready. I know, you guys. Oh, yeah, Huber. You're like, dude, you're, you're going to love that. You've told me that a couple times. I'm amazed that you haven't watched it yet. I know. Oh, Huber. Yeah, that's a that's a little that's a little treat waiting for me. You Next are month. in for a treat. <laughs> Do I watch that? Is it more of a beginning? Because October is a whole month of horror, but you save the hard shit for near the end. The really hard horror. It, is it an early? It's October not horror. I wouldn't. It's, it's not horror. I'd say this I is a setter. Okay, yeah. let's start October with it. October first. It, it's not horror, but it goes hard. Yeah. Yeah, it, it goes hard in the paint, it, you know. Because early October is for stuff like that, where it's not yeah. really horror genre, but it's like pretty dark, I'd put pretty it, intense. I'd put it more in like um, it, it it's 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 in the ring with like Green Room. Okay, okay, got it. Except with a lot of like Beyond the Black Rainbow thrown in there, like a lot of like psycho visual stuff. <laughs> Got it, got it. I just remembered something else I watched recently. <laughs> shout out real quick. Sorry. We're you in the Nicolas Cage section now. You I know, can't. I know. But it's sort of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> all right. Adjacent. All right. I'll, I'll allow it. Uh, I just love, uh, watched Love Antosha the other day. And he He's uh, one of the, he reads off pieces of uh, the diary from oh, nice. uh, Anton Yelchin's diary. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's, it's on Canopy uh, free with a library card. Check it out. Uh, it's a tearjerker. This is the first time I've heard of Canopy. Oh, Canopy is uh, it's excellent. Uh, Matt uh, Matthew Walden turned me on to it. Oh uh, yeah, a couple, a couple love Matthew ago. Walden. Yeah, hi, hi uh, Matthew. I Walden. forgot one too. I get to go now. I forgot one. <laughs> Never have I ever on Netflix this show, high school drama. You know I love my high school dramedies. You do. Pretty. It's got some heartbreaking stuff, but it is a comedy. It's a dramedy, 20 to 30 minute episodes. Show is amazing. Amazing. Highly recommend. Highly, highly, highly. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Never have I ever. Huber, you would like The End of the Fucking World on Netflix. Two seasons. Oh, that's good stuff. What's the Charlie Kaufman one that just came out? That's I'm thinking of ending things, which I have not yet seen. Okay. I want to see that. I'm looking forward to that. End of the Uh, fucking world. I'm on that. Yeah. End of the fucking world is good. Uh, I am also sad to report, I, I was sad to see that um, I Am Not Okay With This got canceled, Damn. which I thought was a cute little show. Hey, when things get canceled. Cooey! Cooey! Damn you, COVID! Damn! Or whatever. Or uh, Netflix. Blame yeah, everybody. Damn everybody. Damn we're all, you, Netflix. We're all damned already. Uh, Tar Gray Conair for his fabulous long hair alone. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, there's a, there's a follow-up to that. Oh God! What is his he's got name? A sick name. He does have a hilarious name in that. Uh, uh, are you looking Cameron it up? Poe. 
Cameron Poe. That's right. Poe, I knew it was like it was like a punch in the face. It's like it's like breaking your nose with the flat of your hand <laughs> as a name. Cyrus Cameron Poe, the virus, dude. People forget, dude. Dave Chappelle was in that movie. Wait, dude, what? Oh yeah, there. he is. John Cusack. This cast is out of control. John Cusack is so funny. He's so weird in that. He's just like <laughs> he drops he's his car such a yeah. He's such like point. a loser in that. He's like playing like a Paul Reiser in Aliens role. Totally. Powers Booth, uncredited role. <laughs> Crazy. Cool. That's how you know the cast is good is when Powers Booth goes uncredited. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love I love stuff like that where it's like oh I wonder if we could formulate an episode around that that would be that would take too much research, but like famous uncredited, uncredited roles in movies like where somebody's voice just like shows up, Kristen Bell and Gossip Girl for example, mm-hmm. um, Zach Wojnar, XOXO, who am I? That's one secret I'll never tell. God. Uh, Zach Wojnar, when I was a kid, one movie that was always in my VHS was Con Air. No matter what, that movie will always be a 10 out of 10 for me. It's just too close. His beautiful wispy hair, his southern accent that's all just all southern accents, and his nonstop butt-kicking are just impossible to top. But got a shout-out to Mom and Dad, which is a delightful movie. I actually read about that recently, but I have not seen it. Have you seen that one? Mom I and watched Dad? watched it a while ago, yeah. It's recent, right? Didn't it come out like a couple years ago? Yeah, like two years ago, something like that. Yeah. I missed I it. I might have watched it early, but I don't remember. Ooh, special boy. Um, <laughs> Keanu La'a. Huh? I don't remember so many things. There's too much. Oh, it's yeah, like there's non-stop. too much. There's too much. It's like overriding memories. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first year I haven't watched like 300 movies in a year, too. So. Oh, shit. Well, like, that's because the, the movie theaters are gone, yeah. The movie theaters are gone. The film festivals aren't running, and like they're online, but like, you know, I don't have I don't have immediate access to them like I used to. So, oh, I suppose we should. Uh, I don't, yeah, whatever. A little bit of film news. The Academy uh, is going to change. Announced recently that they're going to change the requirements for movies to be eligible for uh, Best Picture, and of course, a bunch of losers are freaking out because uh, it it involves like some inclusion stuff. What? What's the new requirement? Well, there are four different... This is from memory. There are four different categories, and they're basically like... One of them is like, it tells a story about diversity, like, has diverse uh, actors and elements and stuff in it. Or there are, like, three other ones that are, like, the uh, crew is diverse, uh, meets, Hmm. like, certain requirements. Or one of them is, like, the advertising team and, like, the, the CEOs and whatever, like, are diverse. And it's just, like... I, th- I think it's a nice initiative to ensure, you know, that it's not just all a bunch of white people doing stuff. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, whatever, do it. Force it. it. You know, it's like, I, I understand people are freaked out about, you know, trying to, you know, push uh, diversity into movies that, that don't call for it, but it's right. not, it's not just that, you know, like that's not it. It's, yeah. It's the whole industry needs to be up, updated and it needs to have, more actors, more people, more, you know, more technicians, more cinematographers, more directors. We can't just, you know, like we can't just shut these people out and they're out right. there, they're making movies, they're making, they're making art um, and, and bringing them into the conversation is not a bad thing. 
Right. That's like true. you could you could still make Twelve Angry Men or Das Boot or The Gray or whatever about a bunch of white guys, but like just have Beretta, diversity Beretta. behind the camera. Yeah. Mm. Like it's not about just like yeah. Whatever. Uh anyway, injected a little bit of news in there. Eat nice. it. Uh Keanu La'a says National Treasure second movie lost a bit of focus to me but the first one has a genuinely fun heist movie mixed in with some mostly true historical facts uh i love the scene when their their little comedic relief guy remembers that uh ben franklin invented uh uh daylight savings time and he's like wait a minute i know something you guys don't know and he like basks in it for a second <laughs> oh it's so cute uh his performance as ben gates back to the comment uh, his performance as Ben Gates was fun, if not simple, as he portrays an idealist fan of good things of the good things America was built on. John Voight gave an even better supporting performance as his consistently exasperated father. Also, shout out to Sean Bean. Does he not die in that? He does not die. He doesn't die in that. He lives. He kind of leaves. He just like leaves for the last part of the movie. Sorry, spoilers for National Treasure. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Logan, it's implied yeah. maybe that he dies eventually, as we yeah. all do. <laughs> he dies of old age after the movie, right? What if they just had a cutscene like after credits? Yeah. What if they just had an after credits bumper where it's just like seventy years later and he's just in his <laughs> deathbed and then he just dies, <laughs> just to put it in there? Um, he fell and he couldn't get up. Yeah. Poor Sean Bean. Uh, Logan Toase, Toss, Tossy. I like that last name. I don't know how to say it. T A W S E. Perfect time to ask this because I just rewatched both National Treasure movies this past week, and they are by far my favorite of his movies. Absolutely love them. I'd probably say the first one's a bit better, but both are just such a fun way to use U.S. history to create a treasure hunt. Cannot wait for the third movie, which is apparently still happening. I also recently saw Lord of War. And that was Hell pretty good, yeah. too. And I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember really liking Matchstick Man. I love Matchstick Man. Mm-hmm. Also, National Treasure 3 went. went. I've been saying it for years. Next I, year. I want it. I don't it's think next happen. year. 2022 at the earliest. It's coming out on Thanksgiving Day. Oh. Yo, that that's the perfect holiday for National Treasure vibes. It is. It is. Will we, we're Unless the B at Thanksgiving Day. Day. Oh, God. Or Memorial Day. Straight in the Lightning Tower of Pizza. Depends on what he's stealing this movie. Or the right? Independent Independence Day. Yeah. Yeah. What did I say last time? He's got to. He's got to straighten the Leaning <laughs> Tower of Pisa. Yeah. That's what. <laughs> I stand it's by that. So good. I think that would be a good because it lights so up good. like a beam of light. He's like, I'm gonna straighten up the Leaning Tower of Pisa. <laughs> oh God! Just him. Him turning to camera and saying that. <laughs> We gotta straighten it out. Ugh. Oh my god. Um, Colt Smith, National Treasure. I mean, it's just the best. Knowing is right there, too. I was singing the praises of Knowing to Sophia the other day, and then she watched it and she said it sucks. <laughs> I just rewatched it uh, two days ago, and I have absolutely no memory of the first like 45 minutes of that movie i've only seen it once still yeah i remember then, liking like, it. everything else was like i've seen this and like i don't know i don't know why i didn't remember the beating of the movie i might have like shown up late or something i remember or, or i remember unremarkable 
Well, I remember being really scared. The reason I haven't rewatched it, I was going to rewatch it for this, but then I didn't. Uh, because I remember there being a really scary shot of when the kid, I think, looks out the window and there's like the a freaky animals and like a freaky person standing out there, right? Oh, yeah, for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that shit is always my whole life has been like a fear, like looking out the window, like in Halloween, Halloween. Like looking out the window and somebody's just standing there, just like they really, hammer, they really hammer into that. That happens like five times during the movie too. Yeah, like, that does happen a few times. Different people I, will like notice off in the distance, like just the guy is just there, whatever. So. I mention it all the time, Roger Ebert. Yeah, here's the opening. This is the first sentence. This is my favorite opening to an Ebert review of all time. Knowing is among the best science fiction films I've seen. Frightening, <laughs> suspenseful intelligent and when it needs to be rather awesome (laughs) (laughs) only when it needs to be only when it needs to be it's rather awesome yeah most of the time it's not because it doesn't need to dark city dude well it's alex proyas right it's alex proyas also did dark city dark city one of my faves i love that movie. i was gonna say i I will say alex proyas is one of those directors like i will literally watch anything that guy directs even if it sucks like because he's he's, he's he original. He's original. Yeah, because didn't it go? It went like Dark City, and then I Robot. There, there might be one in the in the middle Gods there. Of Egypt. That's what he. And did. then yeah, and then he did Knowing, and then he did Gods of Egypt, and Gods of Egypt yeah. was just like whoopsie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is that it? He has more than that, right? Dude, one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, seven movies. Oh, what are the other ones? Read them, read them all in order. Spirits of the Air, Gremlins of the Crowd, Clouds, directorial debut, followed by The Crow. Oh, yeah, Dark The Crow, City, duh. Dark City, Garage Days, iRobot, Knowing, Gods of Egypt. So I haven't seen Garage Days or that first one or Gods of Egypt. He did Gods of Egypt in 2016, and in 2019, he did a short film called Phobos. So he's, oh, he's yeah. been working. Phobos. He's doing things. Mm-hmm. How could I have forgotten The Crow? I knew he did that. Yeah. Woof! Amateur hour over a here. Classic. Yeah, can't rain all the time. <laughs> the pro dude. Uh, if you if Very you if you have thing. Shutter or want to do a, I've touted this before, but there's a there's a series on Shutter called Cursed Films, and they do one on the crow, and it's really good. Uh, Serenity now favorite and best performance is Raising Arizona. I remember first seeing it when I was about ten with my parents. They must have rented a VCR just to show it to my siblings and me. <laughs> I've watched it many times since, and it never gets old. Yelp. Tef, uh, we talked about this before. Now we can talk about Snake Eyes. Sorry, Tef, sorry. my favorite movie is uh, one that I think a lot of people didn't enjoy through conversations with people such as Tokyo Slim on Twitter. It appears that it, this isn't on many people's lists. That movie is Snake Eyes, and honestly, it might be his best performance as well. His portrayal of Rick Santoro, classic Nicolas Cage character name, a shady police detective, classic Nicolas Cage character role, who throughout the movie has some really deep character progression as he's caught up in something way out of his depth. He rises to the challenge perfectly, and we get to see all the crazy sides of Nick Cage in full swing throughout the movie. This movie has a great supporting cast, too, with Gary Sinise, Kevin Dunn, Luis Guzman, and every and the very gorgeous Carla Gugino, Gugino, I don't uh, remember. Gugino, that. yeah. Gugino, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's weird because I I remember I rented that probably on. Eh, it might have been DVD, but um, yeah, I remember not liking it very much. Who directed this? Is it like De Palma? Brian or something? De Palma. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say. 
Palma joint. Because it had really good camera work, but I remember just like maybe I need to see it again. Yeah. Like I wonder if it was one of those deals where like the script was just kind of a generic script and De Palma like wanted to spice up as much as he could and he just like kind of you know didn't go full full nuts on it or yeah or whether it was because because the way the film is formatted is very interesting you know uh they mentioned like uh, uh Tef mentioned uh, Nick Cage's acting he starts out very manic Nick Cage you know kind of stereotypical Nick Cage and he gets more and more subtle uh throughout the film as as like his conscience grows essentially like huh. as he starts to piece things together and realize that like maybe he's been betrayed or maybe somebody's lying to him and he has a very tough decision to make whether to like do the right thing or to just kind of do what he's always done and take the easy way out he starts to make different decisions and his acting changes throughout the film to like kind of reflect that i thought that was very interesting uh, and it was a really good choice, I think, to have Nick Cage be the lead in that movie. I think anybody else, it would have been a way more boring film. Um, <laughs> and I think that, like like you said, everybody else in that movie did really great. Uh, Gary Sinise is, you know, really, you know, kind of just like a, he's, he's a charismatic, kind of charming, you know, like authority figure. A ransom-esque uh, performance. And Carla Gugino's like a baby in this movie I, I haven't seen i haven't seen her this young in a long time she's in you know other stuff she's in uh uh hey where right uh yeah that's and, uh, sin city Gina and uh, sin city and um uh was the, the 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 one where she's like handcuffed to the bed with the corpse of her husband morty's uh, was, car somebody's game yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. Word. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Harold, yeah. Harold's game. Harold's Harold, game. Gerald's game. I'm thinking of Gerald's uh, game. Gerald's game. Yeah. yeah. Thinking You're thinking of, of Gina Carano. That's right. what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Whoops. Who apparently is like a COVID denier or something now. Wow. Yeah. The it, hell? It's, it's sad. There's, there's. She's like, but people deserve to do whatever, and I'm like, no, they don't, because we'll all die. Jesus. Wear a fucking mask. Yeah. I think like the 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 coolest part of it was like about halfway through I realized that we were doing kind of a Rashomon thing where yeah it's just such a badass movie to be in you know the premise itself being in a stadium for like a boxing match uh it just has dude Snake Eyes has an electricity and I love like you know a movie that does that like that Rashomon style when then you're like tracking things outside of the scene like it's a fun movie. You see, like other other characters that you yep. saw from their perspective yeah. doing the thing that they were I doing before from somebody stuff. else. Yeah. I gotta watch Snake Eyes again, huh? I like De Palma. The Sisters is great. Like, I recently watched that. Oh. I think that's his debut. Nice. Uh, yeah. Official, official. Not as bad as I remembered it being. <laughs> the highest form of praise. Uh, I remember. Yeah, this is not bad. It's all right. Uh, hey man, nice shots. Good, funny name. I like that. Gone in 60 Seconds. Must have seen that one at least 20 times in my life, and I still love it. Family Man, as someone who adores Christmas, spicing it up with some cage is just taking it to another level. Very charming movie. Matchstick Man, very clever movie. Really well directed. Also has a great relaxed feel about it, and Nick was born to play a guy with OCD and tics. I love Matchstick Man, personally. I haven't seen Family Man, but yeah, Matchstick Man, I love a good, like, con artist movie 
that's executed well. And Matchstick Man, I think, is is it's one of the good ones. It's very, very nice. Has good yeah, twists uh, and turns. Matchstick Man, I like flies under the radar so hard. Nobody yeah. ever talks about it. Um uh, you know, it's again a great Nicolas Cage performance. He has people people have this like image in their mind of like what a Nick Cage performance is. And he actually does have quite a bit of range. He's not like, you know, he's not like a, you know, Daniel Day Lewis or whatever, but he, he's got, he's got some range. He can do things other than freak out and he, he can be subtle. He can be reserved. He can be internalized. I think this magic men is like one of his more reserved, even though he's, he's got, you know, takes yeah. and stuff in the movie is one of his more reserved roles. Um, and I think it's fun that that Sam Rockwell gets to kind of play like almost the Nick Cage. Yeah, you know, Sam Rockwell's like movie. nuts in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and Sam Rockwell is you know obviously love near, Sam near Rockwell to all of our hearts. Uh, he can do almost no wrong as far as movies goes. I don't know the man personally, but I'm assuming he's chill. But like, uh, yeah, you know, all right. I don't know. he's such a great actor, and, and especially in character roles and. Uh, yeah, I think I think more people need to see Matchstick Man. Matchstick Man is great. Well, that's yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we've we've kind of danced around this, but like Nicolas Cage is an incredibly thoughtful actor. Like, I think a lot of people just think he shows up and acts crazy and then goes home and pays off his castle or IRS debt or whatever it was. And it's like, yeah, he definitely has a few of those. But like, uh, is it GQ uh, or something? He did a video where he talks about all his roles, and like, I already knew this about him, but like he is super crazy thoughtful about all of it. Like he, he, he has intentions behind everything. Um, and I, I don't know. I just think that's really cool. And a knowledge, he has like a deep knowledge of film and theater and all these kinds of things and draws from like really surprising contexts and inspirations. And I don't know. I just think it's an, he's an interesting, very bold performer. I think that's um, one of the things that, that people don't really understand too, is like, People assume that that realism equals great acting. Right. Realism is a type of acting. It's a it's it's one of the act avenues of that an actor can pursue, like emotional and, and physical realism. But it's not like the be all end all of of acting. Acting is an expression of emotion, um, whether it's internalized or externalized. And and as far as it goes, like Hollywood and like movies and TV fell in love with realism, you know, around, you know, James Dean and, yeah. and uh, that, that era. Um, Stan Slavsky is like the thing, you know, everybody loves to be like as emotionally real as possible. The thing is before that for hundreds of years, acting was Nick Cage's thing. It was like the grand, you know, physical emotions and exaggerated facial expressions and loudness because in a theater, the people in the back row need to be able to tell what you're expressing as much as the people in the front row do. And in silent films, in the early silent films especially, you'll see that specific thing because those are theater actors and not yeah. film actors. And the transition from more theater style acting to more like, you know, something where the camera can get right up in your face and see every minute expression or torture, or, you know, look in your eye or whatever there's a there's a there's a gulf there and and people have like decided that daniel day lewis bringing him up once again like that's that's the best acting can be but acting can be a a multitude of different things you know um 
I think that that like opera and theater and you know animation and all, like all these other different formats of you know of 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 media where they express these emotions are just as valid as as Daniel Day Lewis putting on you know uh, you know Abraham Lincoln's face you know it's, there yeah. are so many bad actors quote unquote that I'm just obsessed with like <laughs> Ben McKenzie plays Jim Gordon in Gotham and the OC and he's in the OC. He's not like an amazing actor, but like every time I watch the guy, I'm just like invested, you know? So if any actor just like pulls you like Brendan Fraser, like same kind of thing. Like, I don't know if the guy is necessarily the best quote unquote actor, but like if you're invested in the character that they're portraying, I think they are succeeding at their job perfectly. And not only that, but like to, to your, to Tokyo Slim's point as well, like, Take Vampire's Kiss for an example, where I believe he he actually said he drew inspiration from like older silent silent films and stuff, and Bela Lugosi and everything, and like that's a very intentional choice. And like he's not nothing that he's doing in that movie is an accident. Like he yeah. looks like a crazy person. He looks he's like he's overacting compared to other people. But it's like no, that's the choice. And like he and the directors and stuff, there are really good articles and videos and stuff about Vampire's Kiss. I encourage you to seek them out. But, like, they're doing yes. it all on purpose. Like, they're doing all of that on purpose. They're 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 making a certain kind of movie. And the, I it pays off if you're on board with it. It's like the movie The Guest with Dan Stevens, uh, made by the guys who made Trick or Treat, I think. Um, treat. I think that's the same people or no they made your next maybe they made both of those um, next. but like there's a there's a red letter media review about the guest where they're talking with the writer of it and like you come to appreciate it a lot more if you see like what they're actually going for because the tone of the guest on, on a blind watch is very strange and uh, Vampire's Kiss is the same way where if you if you're not on board you're gonna you're gonna fall off the train, but if you are on board, you're gonna love it. Strap in. Similar to the next movie, Juice Mofo brings up bringing out the dead has got to be one of my favorite Nick Cage movies, as well as one of my favorite movies. Period. However, I find it interesting that people seem to think of this movie as a Scorsese film rather than a Nick Cage flick. People tend to forget that he was in this movie. It could be argued that that implies it is his best important uh, performance as he disappeared into that role. Alternatively, perhaps it's just that we give directors more ownership of the film than the actors. Am I reading too much into it, or is Nick Cage just his least cagey? He definitely Scors- is playing a different kind of person. Scorsese's always going to get the credit above actors. I'm sorry. It's for yeah, Scorsese, just like Kubrick, anyone, yeah. anyone of that echelon, it's their movie first. It is. It, it, it just is. <laughs> but bringing out the dead, I've, I've told this before on, on this show, but like first time I watched it, my friend and I thought it was really funny. And then for some reason we watched it again. Uh, like either That's the same. Yeah. Either the same day or the next day. And we thought it was the saddest movie we'd ever seen. So, and those are the only two times I've ever seen it. So to this day, I have no idea. <laughs> What and that was like back in high school or something. So I'm like, I don't know what that movie's tone is anymore. I don't remember. Do you have experience with that movie? Have you guys seen it? I've seen it a couple times, but mostly back 
when it first came out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Theatrically. Same. Um, Not in the theater. <laughs> it's a really interesting movie. It's based on a book uh, and it's a period piece uh, of like this, you know, certain this, this guy who was, a, a, you know, an ambulance or a EMT or whatever in hell's kitchen in like, I think the seventies or eighties. Yeah. Um, and it was basically like how he was just kind of like totally out of control. Um, you know, in, in, how everybody's kind of out of control. Uh, so it was, it was an interesting watch to me. And it, it's, it could be like, I can see kind of like whether, you know, that it could be humorous or sad depending on how you take it. Yeah. So I think both things are, you know, kind of valid. I think as far as like the intent of the movie, I think it's supposed to be more like bittersweet than anything else. Uh, Ving Rames is great in that movie. John Goodman's in it. Um, Tom Sizemore who kind of fell out of uh, his mind for a while. <laughs> I, I heard he's doing better. So if uh, that's the case, then congratulations. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah. Welcome back, I guess. Uh, but yeah, like drugs and alcohol and oh. all kinds of unsavoriness happened to uh, Tom Sizemore. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a weird movie because it's so, it's like, it's such a period piece and, and, I, again, having conversations with people in in uh, in chat or in the comments section, like there's, uh, you know, like obviously this doesn't represent what EMTs do or how they yeah. feel about it or good medicine in any way possible. But I think that's sort of the point is that like nobody else wanted this job and they're the only people who were insane enough to do it at this point in time. Yeah. And they were like not very good at it. And any anybody they saved was kind of an accident. So... <laughs> Um, in that way it's an interesting movie as long as you can kind of like separate yourself from like you know thinking that it's representative in any way of of realist you know real life or you know the people who are out there saving saving people now like i don't think it i don't think it's uh representative in that way yeah (laughs) it's dramatically it's a very fun movie yeah it's funny you said you didn't really know the tone of it the one of the first reviews is it's hard to pin down tone. It's frankly <laughs> original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause it was the weirdest experience. I remember we laughed our asses off the first time and then like it was, we were bone silent and really depressed <laughs> the second time. <laughs> Shit. Uh, kind of like uh port of call, new Orleans, bad Lieutenant port of call, mm-hmm. new Orleans, where it's like, there's some very strange, funny moments in that, like with lizards and stuff, and then other things that are just like shockingly disgusting. Uh, Ryan Ponder says, I like Nick Cage and National Treasure and Into the Spider-Verse. He played a great noir Spider-Man. Very true. Into the Spider-Verse is just another God-tier movie. Uh, I- I'm assuming it's Andre Vessels because of the comment about being dubbed in German. So tell me if I got that right. Back in high school, this is Andre Vessels. Uh, back in high school, Nick Cage was probably my favorite movie star. No idea how often I watched Con Air or, and Face Off. Back then, I still watched the dubbed German versions and had less of a clue just how different the acting style was. His acting style was. I also enjoyed Gone in 60 Seconds, Family Man, and The Weatherman. Recently, I thought Frozen Ground wasn't bad. It reminded me of 8mm. And of course... Both National oh, eight Treasure millimeter, movies. I'll never watch it. Yeah, yeah fuck ever, 8 millimeter. <laughs> that movie's on my permanent blacklist. You know I love disturbing shit. Get it away from me. 
too disturbing. Yeah, I watched that one when I was in high school, and I was just like, yeah, (laughs) it's like, uh oh, this is not fun. No part. Yeah, I want no part of it. Yeah, that's how I found out about snuff films and found out that I don't like the idea of yeah. snuff films. No, no. Very Get weird movie. Away. Who the hell uh, did that? That seems like a De Palma joint. It kind of does feel like a I De Palma. What the hell? Who directed Schumacher, it? dude. Oh, yeah. It's like a weird Joel outlier Schumacher. for... Wait, Joel Schumacher? Joel Schumacher. Yeah, yeah. I thought you said Paul Schumacher for a second. I was like, Who? Crazy uh, millimeter, dude. Crazy. <laughs> eight millimeter, dude. Huh. No thanks. Yeah, I remember you, that was what, like. Slam, dude. What do you think of eight millimeter? I saw it. See, this is the thing is like, I saw it at <laughs> a pre screening at our theater for, you know, like it was. I don't know whether you did this at your theaters, but like when movies would come out, like on a Friday or whatever, the Thursday night beforehand, the projectionists will usually run it through like at yeah. midnight for the staff or whatever. Yeah. I saw it during one of those events. Um, and the only real thing I remember about it was that like, I didn't really like it there. I laughed a lot throughout all of it. I was probably really high because um, <laughs> I was a lot back then, you know, um, but like, there was a guy we used to call the machine after that and he hated it. And that was like why we kept calling it, calling him that because, because you know, kids are cruel. Um, and I don't remember anything about the character or like why we called him that for per se, but like, that's like my lone takeaway from this movie is that it kind of made me call somebody a name once and I'm not, I'm not super proud of that, but uh, you know, that's, that's what this movie is for me. I remember Joaquin Phoenix being in this movie. Yeah. I, I All I remember is like yellowish brown color tones. And I that's all a I, lot of that. Yeah. yeah. I remember him walking into a room that was like yellowish brown just because of the like color timing of the movie. And that's like all I remember. Peter Stormare was in it too, which is also mm-hmm. in Constantine as uh, the devil. The devil. Yeah. Uh, Excellent devil. Conrad from, from Sweden. Uh, also left a note that saying that since my girlfriend's Norwegian, she could probably help me pronounce it, but I haven't had a chance today since I read that to talk to her on the phone. So I, I'm sorry. I haven't learned how to pronounce your last name yet, but um, favorite Nicholas Cage movie must say Mandy, even if it's so new, the insane visuals and mood of that movie is just such a perfect fit for cage. And it's such a great film. I agree. Now that's all the favorites. Now we're going to, I'm going to speed up a little bit. Next topic is best Nicolas Cage performance. I asked this because I thought it would be funny. Uh, but Taffy came in right off the bat with the right answer. <laughs> I know it's primarily known for its memes that it's spawned, but I honestly think that Cage's best performance was Vampire's Kiss. He takes so much inspiration from old silent movies and incorporates that exaggerated style of movement and his own brand of over-the-top acting to create something completely his own. And he's at, and he said it himself that his performance in Vampire's Kiss was sort of a trial run that expo- uh, inspired his classic craziness in Face Off. And pardon me, who knows how many of his other iconic and insane roles came as a result of it too? I yeah, Vampire's Kiss is just a laugh riot. I love that movie. Uh, Spencer- Vampire's Kiss is oh sorry. Oh, you go. Vampire's Kiss is really cool because 
it got this kind of second life as like a you know as from being memed and you know having like clips of it online and stuff you can't really get a full sense of what the movie is from that and yeah uh, i know people are like you know they're gonna meme what they're gonna meme but like the context of all those like insane things that he does in that movie is that he's spiraling out of control. He's, he's going completely he's insane. Yeah. Deeply unlikable as a person on yeah. top of that. Like yeah. he is not a person that you want to work for, work around, be associated with. He's a bad person. Who's he's trash garbage. Yeah. Him. He's awful. Yeah. <laughs> and like the difference between that and something like, um, uh, American psycho, which is same time period, right? Like people, like there are weird, like weird people out there who like kind of idolize Patrick Bateman in certain ways. Yeah. Like nobody is idolizing Nick Cage's character in, you know, Vampire's Kiss. Nobody wants to be that guy. Like that was a conscious choice to like make him a despicable, loathsome person. Yeah. Who's also losing his fucking mind, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's it's cool in that context and something that you won't get from just like watching clips from, you know, little bits and pieces of the movie. Well, there's um, the famous there's the famous filing scene where, yeah, he just screams the entire alphabet at his therapist. And like even within the movie, the therapist's reaction is like and she's a therapist and she's just like are exasperated with it. Right. She's just like this guy. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> cool it, man. Like, Yeah. Uh, it's very good. <laughs> it's so, so I guess what I'm saying is in context, that all kind of makes more sense than like just clipped out, but clipped out is also hilarious. So it yeah. works both ways. Plus we'll have an interesting fact later oh. about vampires kiss that I think you guys maybe know, but it will be fun. Uh, Spencer from Canada says moonstruck. They think is the best performance. First time I said, which I haven't seen. Moonstruck, I have I have a few huge blind spots when it comes to Nicolas Cage. I've only seen parts of or saw them long ago enough that I don't remember them or I haven't seen uh, Leaving Las Vegas, Wild at Heart, Moonstruck, or Peggy Sue Got Married. Like his four like big serious the, ones. The acting. <laughs> the acting ones. The ones where he acts in it, yeah. Yeah. No. Won an Oscar um, for Leaving Las Vegas. He did. I, I like... Moonstruck specifically, I rewatched it yesterday and I was like, he won an Oscar for this, right? Like, and I went and looked at it. Like, I made a comment on on uh, Twitter and it was like, went and looked it up. I was like, no, he didn't. He wasn't even nominated. What, I've never what, even heard of that one. What Moonstruck is with Cher. With Cher. And huh. Cher won an Oscar for it. And uh. I think the movie won Oscars for it. And Nick Cage was just, I think he like got a BAFTA or something. But like, well, it's BAFTA. BAFTAs. Those are the real Oscars. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, I recently watched Witches of Eastwick and I loved it. Um, this got me wanting to watch Moonstruck. <laughs> Moonstruck is a good movie. Yeah, I mean, I imagine. I think I never watched it just because, like, I remember my mom, like, had the VHS or something and I always thought it was just some, like, romance movie. And so I was, like, never interested <laughs> as a kid, it's, you know, and then I just it, never got around to it. It's interesting because, like, a lot of comparisons between it and are drawn between it and opera. And, and it's, like, it's very kind of like subconsciously about death and like the decay of relationships and stuff. And it's, huh. it's really, I think you'd enjoy it a lot. Okay. Recommend. Uh, nice. Uh, but to continue Spencer's comment, uh, the more that I've watched that movie, I feel that everyone's performances are actually so incredible, especially Nick, Nick Cage. His monologue when he first meets Cher's character is amazing. And he has always meant, 
to be he was always meant to be a one-handed Italian baker. <laughs> uh Max, his shame Terman. Lord of War is surprisingly good performance from Nick. Uh, honestly, anytime he gets to play someone dead inside, he kills it. <laughs> the, that said, the opening 11 minutes of Raising Arizona are the high point of human filmmaking. Both good points. Logan Tau- Taus, uh, again, uh, I haven't seen a ton of his movies, but I can't, so I can't definitively say what his best performance is, but I think he kindly, uh, he did a really fantastic job in Kick-Ass. I don't really see him as Nick Cage mm-hmm. in that movie, which is sometimes hard with him. Hard, yeah, with him. But for that one, it's kind of important. And uh, Tyler Travis, first mention of this movie, I do believe, Adaptation. There it is. Which I definitely think is probably his among his strongest performances. Leaving oh, Las yeah. Vegas probably in there, too. Maybe his two strongest performances. Yeah. Both, yeah, both, both brothers in that are just so good. And the movie itself, oh god, adaptation is so, so good. good, so, so good. good, so ah! good. How the movie shifts tone when the other brothers, start, whatever, spoilers, but oh, uh, oh, adaptation, dude. <laughs> oh my god, pitch perfect movie. Uh, that's another one that's like verges on perfection, I'd say. I think it's weird too that like that's like that's one of the movies that I I most closely associate. Uh, like I think, like Nick Cage's kind of attempt at method, yeah, you know, um, and it, like saying like, oh, he can't do method or whatever. He he's only like broad strokes. That's him doing method, and it, it, yeah. he pulls it off so well. In a certain um, sense, he only does method. Like right, it, it, all of his acting stuff is so precise. Uh, which is is a freaking ten out of ten. Oh my god, yeah, and Meryl Streep, of course, just like. Ugh. Who? Yeah. Who's that? Um, Cold Smith, Raising Arizona, Leaving Las Vegas, and The Rock are classic, are the classic best, and I really love The Madness of Mandy and The Color Out of Space. Uh, Color Out of Space, I, 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 I love cosmic horror, and it's really hard to do good cosmic horror movies. I still haven't seen Mouth of Madness, but like there hasn't oh my God. been a good cosmic horror movie I've seen. That like Let does Guillermo it right. Do it. Let Guillermo do it. Let Guillermo do it. I'm gonna be honest with you. In the Mouth of Madness is, I don't want to say it's in my top ten movies of all time, but it is. Whoa. It is a fantastic cosmic horror movie. It is like Damn. the standard. So if you if you haven't seen that, I know I want that's, to. That's the one. Watch that. Sam Neill, right? Definitely. I love Sam Neill. Sam Neill. I was He's scarred by Event Horizon. Horizon. What? <laughs> we all talked at the same time. We all said a different Sam Neill movie. On I was just saying that I was scarred by Event Horizon as a kid. Yeah, it's like uh, freaky reflective eyes, right? Uh, Lawrence like, Fishburne in that movie? Like ruined my life. Like not even yeah. joking. Yeah. Um, Ken Lutz. Scarred a generation for sure. Yeah. I could have watched. I was at a friend's house. I should have watched Money Talks. It was like for some reason down between those two movies. I regret it to this day. That's Ken a, Lutz. That's a bold choice. It's a weird pairing, but I don't know if that's like just the the things that were on demand or something. It was like the pay per view. I don't know. Ken dictated Lutz dictated by the wine you had, obviously. <sighs> well, we were like young. Uh, another tough one, but I'll go with Face Off. It's probably my favorite on the wall of performance he's done. Oh, off the wall performance. 
Face Off is such a bizarre movie, dude. Oh my god, I love that mask. Uh, Zach Oshinar, there's a moment in Kick Na- Kick Kick Nass? Kick Ass. Yes. Kick, kick Network Access Storage in the build-up before his final battle where he's seen putting on eye makeup in the mirror. His character Big Daddy is based on various Batman portrayals, and Batman actors usually wear black makeup when under the cowl. It's like putting on war paint while acknowledging the absurdity, the deliberateness of dressing up to go out and beat up bad guys. In Batman Returns, Batman v Superman, scenes where Batman removes his mask, the makeup always magically disappears as well. After Kick-Ass, that's just unacceptable. Happy to see that Robert Pattinson's version of the character is canonically wearing makeup. <laughs> I'm happy to see that too. Plus, we get some sweet emo crow vibes and I'm all yeah, about I'm, it. I'm unreasonably excited for that movie. And oh I yeah, don't I'm really hoping. Know why. High hopes. I like Robert Pattinson a lot, High dude. Hopes. Yeah, he's great. High hopes. Cosmopolis. Uh, hey man, nice shots. Uh, has a few best performances here. Kiss of Death, another unrated, underrated, and two unknown hidden gem. I haven't seen this one. Great cast: David Cruz, Nick Cage, Samuel L. Jackson, Helen Hunt, Ving Rhames, and Michael Rapaport. Wait, Kiss uh, of Death. Yeah, Cage. Dude, this is bringing me back. This is bringing. I need to look this movie up. This is bringing me way back. Cage isn't the lead in this, but it's probably his most badass I've ever seen him. Honestly, he's a complete beast here. Apparently, there's a scene where he bench presses a young woman. No, I haven't, I haven't seen this, I don't think. I was <laughs> You're so excited. I was excited. I thought it was something else. Are you thinking of Sexy Beast? Because he's not in that. No, dude. Sexy Beast rules, though. That yeah, Sexy crazy. Beast. Is good. It's also like 80 minutes long. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, bringing Out the Dead... Uh, underrated and way too unknown to the larger public. Scorsese and Cage, come on. 8mm is a really dark, very disturbing movie no, that no. Cage carries brilliantly. No. As we've already covered, though, fuck 8mm. Yeah, uh, no. Conrad from Sweden says, I haven't seen it in years, but my gut feeling says, Sailor Ripley and Wild at Heart need to watch it again, but I remember really liking Cage in it. Wild at Heart I've seen most of, but not at the same time, and I feel bad about that because everything about that movie seems like I should love it. So I need Pretty to just sit and watch it. Yeah. I think um, Matthew Walden may or may not have a Wild at Heart tattoo. Tell us later it's, if you do, Matthew Walden. That sounds about right. <laughs> I know he loves that. Um, all right. And then, then I asked, is there such a bad... Well, what do you guys think is the best Nick Cage performance, first of all, personally? Is it ad- adaptation? I mean, objectively, I believe it's probably adaptation. It's not my favorite role he's done. But I think acting-wise, I think just doing twins that are so radically different and like being believable. And one of them doesn't even really exist in real life. So, yeah. there's no, you know, there's no like basis to the character uh, portraying a real person and his fictional twin. The fictional twin they're... almost did win an Oscar in real life though. I know. <laughs> Man, like it's such a great performance. I think like, honestly, between that and, uh, Yeah, acting-wise, I'd have to go with that, probably, yeah. For me, Leaving Las Vegas. It's just yeah. my favorite kind of movie. When like Where someone drinks themselves to death on purpose? Just, yeah, like a character study. So bleak. So just a depressing-ass movie. I'm all about it. I love Frankly, that movie. I'm, I'm surprised you, you said you hadn't seen it. I've seen uh, parts. I saw like a part of it when I was young. And I was like... 
so turned off by how sad it was that I was like, yes. well, I don't want to watch that movie. Before your taste developed. To yeah, before it was before my taste. Had, I actually have a few weird experiences like that with Nick Cage, I guess, where I saw like a part of a thing and I was like, oh, that seems heavy. And then it just carried that feeling into adulthood and had never watched it for whatever I, reason. It's a very kind of, it, again, a very, it's, it's, it's really sad, but it's also a great character study. And it's totally. like, there's like he, there's, like, he has the, a range the, in it, man. He's got such a range in that movie. It's yeah, not it's just a, one note self destruction. It's like Elizabeth Shue rises, is the other yeah. person. Yeah. yeah, there's like rising and falling, dude. It's oh, yes. Yeah. The movie gives you a little hope, and then it like yeah. shows you like what the consequences of that hope are, and it's like in not not a great way, you know. But like <laughs> if you're if you're planning on just completely giving up on life, like that's like that's the thing. Like you know, sometimes. It takes a while, and sometimes things happen in the way that, like, you wish you know didn't happen. That make your life, or your your attempt to not live in life harder, and then then you succeed, and that's the sadness. You know, like it's it's the gut punch right there. Damn, that doesn't make any sense if you haven't seen the movie, I guess. But like, I don't want to spoil it or anything because you should watch it. It's a good um, nice movie. Yeah, definitely. And I would like to contact Ty Cobb. Um, <laughs> that line from Bogus Journey is so weird. I love it. Uh, is there such a thing as a bad Nicolas Cage performance? Dude, I'm not all about the Wicker Man at all. I'm sorry. I mean, it's absurd and a I terrible, terrible, so boring. So the choices boring. made in that movie are, are baffling to me at some time. So boring, dude. Who directed? Is that Neil LeBute? Neil LeBute, so he, weird. He yes. was responsible for like a couple of decent theater things and then just all garbage and in the company of men i remember like in college but it probably sucks also he's apparently an asshole in real life i the original wicker man is fantastic the original wicker man is yeah, so good thing. nobody nobody will ever badmouth that in my presence or or be burned alive inside a real wicker man um the remake this this movie i don't know if he, it's even a remake it's it's a it's a movie that's I've seen it. Sort Although I accidentally watched the theatrical version, which doesn't have the bees scene in it. And that was the whole damn reason we watched it. I was, I'm pissed to this day. <laughs> I will tell you though, that this movie, like much like, uh, you with, um, bring out the dead. This movie makes me laugh. It's to me. I, I view this as a comedy and it's very much not supposed oh, to be a comedy movie. It's a comedy. But, like it's a, so good. It's bad. Everybody's so bad. It's good. So bad. It's bad. I can't stand yeah. it. Like, like all all of the actors in this movie are doing Nick Cage and it, like you know just the, like you know doing such like un unrealistic like portrayals of humanity or like you know things that nobody would say like in real life like every every single person in this movie does that and it, for me that's like amusing so I I laugh a lot at this movie when I'm feeling like sad or whatever i will go watch movies cue up movies. the wicker man yeah well you it, can you nice. can find you can find really good compilations on youtube of all the funny nicholas cage moments and that for me definitely. scratches the itch and i've <laughs> like, definitely done that before him in a bear costume punching a bunch of women and like holding a corpse on a dock and the camera snap zooms and then he notices it and he's just like ah <laughs> my favorite moment in this movie bar none and i have no reason or explanation for it he's like walking up this trail and he meets three women with a sack that's wriggling like you know 
like audition style. Like there's yeah, like something yeah. in it that you don't, you know, it's like, oh God, what is he goes, what's in the bag? A shark or something? <laughs> and then walks off. And no, there's no context for that. Nothing has ever said about it again. <laughs> I was like, what's in the bag? A shark or something? Like what? <laughs> What what <laughs> happened there? Like that that line has stuck in my head for years, and I have no reason to like. I I don't know. I don't know why. Just, uh, that, that, that's the moment of that movie. Like that that movie became like a comedy to me, and I was like, <laughs> "This is it. This is the funniest movie I've seen." The the general the general consensus to answer if there is such a ba- such a thing as a bad Nicolas Cage performance was most people say. Not really, because he he brings such an interesting energy to everything that he's always entertaining to watch. That's kind of my theory. Uh, Ghost Rider. I do think he. You don't think you don't like Ghost Rider? I never watched it, but my, for some reason, my mom really liked it. I remember. So I. I sure. <laughs> it has its moments. The end of it is. Oh, I'm sure it's me. yeah, pretty schlocky. But uh, I never saw Left Behind, but I assume it's bad. Someone brought that one up and said mm-hmm. Ken Lutz said there, there are uh, when he's trying to pay off the IRS, like Left Behind and stuff. Probably That's pretty kind bad. Of what I'd say is like a movie in which Nicolas Cage doesn't want to be there. Yeah, like there are a couple of those where you can tell he's just like, I'm doing this because I have to. He still gives it, you know, he gives it something, but he's not giving it everything. And I yeah, think, I think like, he he's always professional, but yeah, yeah. Uh, tra- Tyler Travis literally says, I think identical to what you said earlier, Huber. Uh, Tyler Travis literally said, "Seriously, fuck eight millimeter." <laughs> yes, <laughs> which I think is exactly yes. what you said. Yep, yep. Can't watch um, it. Won't watch it. Get it okay. Away. Uh, I have some interesting facts about Nick Cage here. Frun Kachwaha says, um. Fun fact, not sure how well known this is. I knew this, but uh, we'll see if you guys knew this. He's Coppola's uh, nephew. Yep. He changed his name to separate himself. Coppola. Yep. Uh, Michelle Jackson, my mom was on the same flight as Nicolas Cage once in the early 90s. My mom ordered a fruit cup from the refreshment cart, which turned out to be the last one. Nick Cage was sitting across the aisle and also ordered a fruit cup. Apparently, he was very visibly disappointed to not be able to get a fruit cup, and my mom still feels bad about it. Source, my mom. (laughs) That's an SNL skit. (laughs) From Michelle Jackson. That is so funny. Just picturing him just like looking over at the fruit cup. (laughs) Her just eating it slowly. Yeah, just looking at it. Slurping. (laughs) That is so funny. Uh... Like knowing full well it's Nick Cage over there and you're eating the last fruit cup is so great. It's such a great setup. I was across the aisle on a plane from Tim Meadows one time and he was reading a screenplay for a movie. And uh, I wonder if that movie ever happened. I don't know. Uh, Tyler Travis uh, brings up the time that Nicolas Cage wore a shirt with a picture of his own face on it. Uh and the image, he's also wearing a black cowboy hat, giant aviators, a bunch of bead necklaces, a purple uh, blazer, a giant bracelet, and chaps, apparently. Embracing. <laughs> Just full Nicholas yeah. Cage. Uh, Ken Lutz, he pulls inspiration from the oddest places. I could literally quote all of his iconic characters video on GQ's YouTube channel. 
but I'll probably just say go watch it and be fascinated by what he says. I recommend that as well. That's a very good video. Zach Wojnar, he based his speech pattern and kick-ass on Adam West's Batman, who disguised his identity not by changing his voice, but by changing the way he spoke. And he played Superman and Spider-Man in the same year in Teen Titans Go and, uh, or Teen Titans Go to the movies and Into the Spider-Verse. So awesome. Which I did not. Superman for a minute now. Yeah. Yeah, I remember back in the day he was doing the screen test for Superman. Mm-hmm. looked ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, have you seen uh, what is it, the death and rebirth of Superman? The documentary about that. No, that came out a couple years ago. I would. It's, it's worth a watch. That suit is not as ridiculous as as it appears. Much like everything else clipped out, Nicolas Cage wise. Like totally. that suit was actually going to be pretty cool. I think uh, a lot right. of it is going to be. You know, it's it's like it's weird because that movie never happened, but like how close that movie came to happening yeah. is like super interesting. That was a, a um, Tim Burton was going to direct him. Yeah, wasn't going to tie was, in yeah. the other shit too. Didn't Kevin Smith that? write it or something too? Yeah, something yeah. like that. And like that's it, it was a fascinating watch. I, it completely changed my opinion of of him in that suit. I think. Huh. And, nice. I think he would have made a great Superman, which is weird to say because Nick Cage is not the person you think of, but like he was really into it. And I think their take on like Superman was a a really kind of, you know, I guess more of like a cerebral, like interesting take on Superman than, than typically you would see, but Superman not interesting in my estimation, typically. Right. You know, (laughs) bringing bringing like weird you know weird emotions into it and like having having him you know kind of like the whole like um tarantino like you know diatribe on clark kent is superman's uh view of what humans are like right. and ineffectual and that kind of stuff is like kind of delving more into that and being being a little you know trying to make it a little more interesting was, was that that movie was, was the seen. progenitor of the famous kevin story or Kevin Smith's story about the producer, the executive producer who wanted to put a mechanical spider in everything, right? I believe so. I believe yeah. So. Find, seek out that that rant that Kevin Smith does. It's pretty funny. Uh, Keanu La'a says, Nick Cage owns a nine-foot-tall pyramid in New Orleans under which he intends to be buried after he dies. He refuses to speak about his reasoning for the pyramid, but some rumors believe it's because he once bought a haunted mansion and believes himself to be cursed. And then there is awesome. a source from Atlas Obscura. Uh, sure. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds sounds legit. Sounds fucking cool, dude. If I could be buried under a pyramid. Yeah, I'd why not? You don't need a reason. Resources? Yeah, dude. That's uh, Serenity Now says, did you know he won China's Best Global Actor Award? A, a source, Time Magazine, 2013. Wow. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Tef uh, says, an interesting fact, he spent New Year's Eve 2019 in a small pub in England. He brought he bought rounds of drinks for people and became a member, which costs 10 uh, pounds per year. Hmm. GBP is pounds, right? Yeah, Great Britain. Yeah. Great, yeah. Uh, hey, man, nice shots. Apparently, a stranger broke into his home one night. When Nick Cage woke up in the middle of the night, he saw a guy sitting naked in front of his bed wearing only Nick Cage's leather jacket and eating a fudge sickle. That is so No freaky. source for that one, so I don't know if, if that's Holy real. Shit. Uh, sure. Was it Taffy, me? I have an yeah, it, it was none of us. Uh, that's freaky. 
Taffy says, uh, fun fact, it was originally meant to be a raw egg that he eats in Vampire's Kiss, but Cage suggested the live cockroach as he considered it a business decision that would be equal to millions of dollars of special effects and shock factor. He ate two uh, of them. Yeah, he, he wanted did, it. Did, did the first one, and then he's like, did you get it? Let's do it again. He did it a second time. I can't oh believe God. that. It sounds ob- obnoxious. It sounds disgusting. Apparently, he wanted to eat a live bat, but he settled for eating a cockroach. Uh, Ryan Ponder, pretty sure this is fairly well known, they say, but my friends and I went on a tour of New Orleans, and the tour guide kept talking about how much Nicolas Cage uh, consulted and trusted voodoo practitioners prominent in the community there. A lot of his personal dealings seemed to be based on their advice. Uh, I did not know that. That's interesting. I believe it. (laughs) All right. Now, our own personal top 10s no. or 15s. Uh, Huber, you want to go first? What are your top 10 sure. Nicolas Cage movies? 10 upwards. Yeah, yeah. Start Lord at the, 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 the worst best and go toward best best. Lord of War. Huh? Gone in 60 Seconds. Wow. Con Air. Sure. Bad Lieutenant. Wow, really? I didn't expect yeah. that to make your top 10. Yeah. Huh. Dude, freaking Herzog? I mean, yeah, it's a crazy movie. Herzog I just thought, joint? But he's so gross in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's movie. the point. Yeah. I don't know why Herzog uh, made that movie. National Treasure. Little low, I'm sorry. Little low. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. I probably should switch it with the next one. Face Off. Watched it like a couple years ago. Not it doesn't hold up. Really as good as I remember. It does, it does not it hold up. up. It's Whew. pretty boring. Whew. But it is still fun to see two superstars of their day playing each other. Yeah, that's what I th- to me. I think like the 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 worst part of that movie is watching John Travolta try to be Nick Cage. Yeah, that doesn't work for me anymore. He didn't I, have I, the I chops. I was able to suspend my belief belief when I was younger, and like, yeah. it's like, man, they don't even have the same bone structure. Give me a break here. Come on. <laughs> they were both like such massive stars at the time. Though. It was just yeah. gimmick. It was the whole movie's just that gimmick. It's funny. Adaptation. Okay. The Rock. What also, number are we on? What number are we on? That The Rock is number three. Adaptation was four. My God. Okay. The Rock should be also. It doesn't hold up, but think of my bro all the time, man. I lived in San Francisco. Alcatraz yeah. is cool. <laughs> yeah. Did you say Conair already? Yeah, Conair is number eight. This is number eight, yeah. Okay. Number two, kind of a cheat, but I don't give a shit. Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse. And number one, easily leaving Las Vegas. Okay. Not easily. how I expected your list to go, Huber. Mm-hmm. That was a little surprising every now mm-hmm. and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you want to go next, Tokyo Slam? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I have 15. I, I tried to kill my babies as much as I could. Possibly, 15 but- is fine. So uh, I wrote I, to- I went down his entire IMDb and wrote down the ones I liked as they came by and it just happened to be 10 of them. I started so- with 27. So <laughs> 15 is I cut several out and they they will be noticeable. You'll yeah. be like why isn't that on there? Let's well, I should say I like more than just those 10, but the 10 I knew that would Definitely. be on the list. Yeah. So I mean, I guess if you really wanted to, you could say this is a top 10 with some honorable mentions. Sure. Um the weatherman uh I, I, I think that's, uh, you know, one of those kind of 
like more understated sleeper Cage performances. Yeah, sleeper hit. Uh, Lord of War is uh, next up on the list. I I liked it a lot. I haven't rewatched it, but uh, first impressions were really good with that movie. Um, it was, you know, not necessarily uh, like during that period. Like that was like the like Nick Cage had like a string of movies that were not great, and that was kind of like smack dab in the middle of them. So it was like the oh he's back kind of moment for me. Uh, and Matchstick Men. Uh, again, I've said a lot about that already. I think that more people should watch it. It's it's a fantastic movie. Uh, Con Air. I personally think Con Air is better than The Rock, but mostly it's it's a it's Titans fighting each other, right? It's you know it's it's Mech versus Kaiju. Like one or the other is gonna win. I personally prefer Con Air. The Rock did not make my list. Um, I think Con Air holds up better. I think that that overall it's just kind of just a more entertaining movie um, as far as that goes. And uh, that's it. Um, like, what do you mean? That's it. We've got like 12 more to go. Yeah, so 12 more. <laughs> no, I mean like the, that's as, as far as like me talking about Con Air. Versus For Con Air. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Racing Arizona is, is next. And that's uh, again, like Coen brothers are not my favorites. I found that movie to be delightful. So there's that. Uh, I think that, like, if you were if you only watched that movie, then then you know, and, and we're a Nicolas Cage fan from that movie, then then that's acceptable to me. So uh, I I think his uh, like him and, especially like him and Holly Hunter in that movie were like you know I don't know that was like a time period for me I guess yeah that was like like I think I was like. 15 or 16 when I saw that movie the first time I was like wow this is really good and like who are these people and maybe you want to watch more of their stuff so <laughs> I did Red Rock West somebody I don't think anybody else brought this up um, Red Rock West is to me a genre film and a genre that I really really love it's kind of just like that everybody sucks and is a bad guy kind of dirty corrupt like like pulpy, you know, uh, like uh, Romeo is bleeding, or that kind of that kind of thing. Where like everybody in this movie is kind of a kind of a shitbird. Hmm. Um, stranger walks into town. He's a grifter. Uh, he's just looking to like steal some money or like you know con somebody or whatever. He's mistaken for a hitman that uh, I think Den- I think it's Dennis Hopper hires to kill his wife who is Lara Flynn Boyle, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so he, he's confused for this hitman and he's like offered this, you know, he's like handed this like bunch of money or briefcase full of money or whatever. And he's like, yeah, my wife's going to be here at this point in time, go ahead and offer, make it look like an accident or whatever. And like, there's kind of like this like weird, like love triangle that happens, you know, or emotional love triangle or whatever. He develops feelings for, her. does it work out? Does it not? It's it's a very pulpy kind of uh, crime you know crime drama. I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, so not many people talk about it. Uh, then sounds I got Leaving sad. Las Vegas. Yeah, it sounds cool. Leaving Las Vegas again. What an Oscar for it! What are you going to do? Like uh, it was a great performance. Um, honestly, even Elizabeth, like I would say, even Elizabeth, she had a good performance. Elizabeth, she had a great performance in this movie as well. Uh, you know. Uh, known mostly for playing uh, scientists in uh, 
in various movies. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, the Karate Kid's girlfriend. Uh, and the boys, dude. And the boys, yeah. Season haven't, two, I'm already missing her, man. She haven't was seen it yet. Phenomenal. But uh, yeah, fantastic movie. Valley Girl uh, probably hasn't aged great. I still think that as far as like, you know, kind of teen romance movies goes like it's it's one of the better ones i don't know i i you know i i really enjoy like the one-liners you know is this movie in 3d you know what your face is <laughs> um and also kind of it kind of like made me fall in love with la a little bit like i you know i don't live there i've visited several times but like the 80s in la the whole like kind of underground music scene in in la versus like kind of the value like the, the uh you know the the what's the word i'm looking for um hellscape hellscape yes the hellscape of the valley yeah. in the 80s i guess yeah. Uh, yeah. it was all like neon and like it kind of looked like vegas like parts of it i guess that were you know like suburb very suburban you know and like nick cage like this kind of punk like dirty youth kind of guy and i just i love that like the whole like romeo and juliet aspects of that movie uh moonstruck again just rewatched it fantastic film deserved the oscar shared the oscar nick cage also deserved to be nominated for an oscar for that movie and did not get it and mm. bitter stuck to me after i watched it, i was like that was fantastic mandy uh great it's a great movie watch it yeah uh, it's 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 a movie it like when you said you're watching it for for october it's not it's not a horror movie it's a rage movie yeah you know it's like yeah. they're, they're 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 cousins but they're not like it's not totally you know not completely simpatico yeah man he's so bonkers <laughs> i love man uh national treasure i prefer one over two yeah i didn't put them both on my list but they're they're both fantastic excellent films what number did it make? That was is that? five. Okay. That's fair. Uh, also, John Voight, as much as kind of a weird crotchety old bastard as that guy is, also pretty good in that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ad- uh, adaptation is number four. Uh, again, fantastic film. Uh, the closest Nick Cage has really come to like being you know like two different people at the same time i guess uh i don't know what to say about it it's a good movie watch it wild at heart number three um sailor and his jacket you know represent personal freedom so that's you can't you don't get any better than that except for the top two (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was like, you do get two and better. Then there's two better. Vampire's Kiss, which is yeah. number two. Uh, I find that movie endlessly fascinating, and not just the film itself, the making of the like. I sent like a couple, maybe a year ago. I sent you an article written. I read it. Yeah, I think maybe by the guy who wrote that or whatever, and it was like all about his breakup with his his wife and like how weird it was to get made and like the fact that they still co-produced the movie together, even after they separated and Nick Cage wanting yogurt spread on his toes or whatever during the scene, because he couldn't, he couldn't like, you know, he wasn't attracted to, uh, to, uh, 
Jeffrey Beals or whoever the whoever the actress was. I don't remember right off the top of my head, but like, yeah, he like like you know sending his 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 uh, assistant to the park to grab a bat. You know, just <laughs> yeah, so many weird stuff. like out of control like rumors and like speculation and things that probably happened in real life. Like who knows? Just that whole experimentation of like what is acting how can I push forward the genre of acting in different ways than, than, um, you know, than realism and, and method acting? How can I reincorporate, you know, old, uh, old forms of acting and performance, like, you know, um, German expressionism uh, and uh, Kabuki theater and, you know, what, whatever else he, he called all that from into a movie it's endlessly fascinating to me and I, I, I love it a lot. Uh, I've seen it theatrically, which is something Ooh, that not many people fun. can say. So, yeah. Uh, seen it theatrically. Number one, uh, probably a surprise to many people. I don't know. Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans. Wow. One. Um, and it didn't used to be. And it, 10 years ago, I more than 10 years ago now it was 11 years ago now it came out and i saw it theatrically and that me movie too, confused yeah. me and i was i was wondering what it was about i didn't really understand the point of the movie or what it was trying to say it is it is a conglomeration of two things i love in life dearly nicholas cage and Werner herzog collaborating together and this is the thing is i did a retrospective last year on this film uh, 10 years ago, I rewatched it and I wrote down my thoughts as to what had changed. And I grew into this movie. Um, the movie itself was fantastic. It hadn't, hadn't changed at all. And what it was saying was equally as important now as it was 11 years ago. Um, and I'm just going to read a brief excerpt from what I wrote down. Uh, Protocol New Orleans is a funhouse mirror in which Herzog and Cage examine the policing of a populace with power. Power corrupts, and in real life, many times the corrupt are not punished. Karmic retribution either doesn't really exist or isn't applied fairly at all. This film's ending, which is which is controversial, many people hate the ending of that movie, uh, may seem like a fairy tale where all of a sudden things work out and Cage's character, McDonough, not only gets away with everything he's done, he's rewarded for it, but that's not a fairy tale. It happens all the time every day when, when police officers get away with crimes they're committing um, in the name of policing and in the name of power and stuff. That's the most realistic part of this movie uh, is the fact that everything works out at the end, out of blue all of a sudden, and the entire system is protecting this corrupt cop. And it's not just one corrupt cop in this film. The whole department is is literally either corrupt or abetting corruption through, through um, ambivalence. And that's the whole point of that movie. And then Werner Herzog had that 11 years ago. Like, yeah. I didn't realize what he was saying until recently. And that's why I think personally it was like, I had like an epiphany while watching this movie. It was like, that's what this is about. Um, you know, like the very first scene is, is Nick Cage and, and Val Kilmer in a locker room talking about like all the side hustles they're running and like how this other guy whose locker they're raiding during this, you know, during the flood of Hurricane Katrina, they're like, well, how, you know, he, he can't afford that Cadillac. He's rolling around and wondering what he's got going on like all of them are have their like little sticky little fingers in the, in, in these various like 
you know, side hustles and corruption and whatever. And like, that's the point of this movie is like, you give these people this power to, to both police you and to cover up crimes. And they're going to do both of those things. You know, like they're going to be authority figures who also have the authority to be corrupt. Yeah. So that's why I put it number one for me is like, like, you know, it's, it's a really impactful film for me. And also I love Leonard Sox so much. Yeah. Almost so much as I love Nick Cage. Um, and, uh, you know, I think both of them are really incredibly insightful filmmakers and, and actors because Werner Herzog also does acting. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of a best of both worlds kind of deal for me. I, I really love that movie. Man, you're making me wish I'd put it on my list. <laughs> hey, there's, it's it's never too late. Like I said, ten years ago, eleven years ago, wouldn't have been on my list. Yeah, now I'll have to rewatch it because yeah, I remember being very disturbed when I saw it in theaters. But I mean, that's the point. But it's a it's a disturbing movie. And I love how movies change just over time with you. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, different parts of movies that you love or dislike more, and it's awesome. Absolutely. Um, my top ten. Now I'm thinking Portocol should be on here, but uh, The Rock, number 10, uh, just because it's got some good quotes in it, but maybe Bad Lieutenant would go here instead. Uh, then nine is Con Air. I also think Con Air is better than The Rock. Uh, then number eight, National Treasure Book of Secrets. Not great, but fun. Number seven, Matchstick Men. Really good con artist movie. Number six, Mandy. Phenomenal wackadoo movie. Number five, Vampire's Kiss for all the reasons we've talked about. Number four, Raising Arizona. It would probably be higher, but it makes me sad. So it's <laughs> number four. Uh, number three, National Treasure. Number two, again, yeah, it kind of feels like cheating, uh, but it's just such a good movie. And he's in it, Spider-Man yeah. Into the Spider-Verse. Counting. Yeah, also my number two. And then number one for me is Adaptation, because that movie is just like bananas great. Yeah. Um Okay, then uh, just final some final uh, things here. Spencer from Canada made my list, but I disqualified it because he's not the star of the movie. So <laughs> I thought about doing the same. I thought same, about doing the same, same. Uh, but then it I is just a fantastic didn't. film. Spencer Love from it. Canada says that they owe an apology to you, Huber. Uh, they failed in completing their favorite movies of the decade list, and Pacific Rim is on it. They say you trusted me, and I failed. <laughs> Pacific uh, Rim. We mentioned the Pachinko commercials. They're hilarious. Find them. Uh, I posted that was, them in the comments. Yeah. The, uh, there, that was a note from myself uh, to oh, just ma yeah. make sure we mentioned the Pachinko commercials. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Search them. Uh, they're incredible. Colt Smith says, I love watching just any Nicolas Cage film to see what which Nicolas Cage showed up for that particular film. Uh, Bort said, I thought this was so funny. Uh, I once played a tabletop role-playing game in the feng shui system where every character was a role Nicolas Cage played at one point or another in their career. The Sorcerer's Apprentice Cage wielded magic. The Ghost Rider Cage was their tank. Face-Off Cage was their wild card. And the Gone in 60 Seconds Cage was their rogue. I think we had to fight an evil organization of, t of John Travolta's? Uh, very funny. Um... 
uh, Conrad from Sweden says, I also th- sometimes think back to the 90s where he was a legit Hugh Jackson star thanks to Rock and Con Air. It's weird today to think that his name was once a guarantee for blockbuster level quality. When do you think that changed and why? Uh, for all his antics, he does not strike me as a legit crazy person. Eccentric for sure, aloof, yes, but not insane in the way that he's often described. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think, I don't know. To me, he's he's a sure thing every time. I'll go, I'll go see, I'll go see a Nicholas Cage movie any day. But yeah, I don't know what happened. I don't know why, why the world turned their back on China's best actor in the world. I think Nicholas a lot Cage. of it has to do with the nature of big action movies also changing. Like sure, yeah, you know, it's all realism now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you know, gun it's, food now. Gun, gun yeah. kata, yeah. Yeah. Nick Cage is not your your you know your gritty uh, you know like muscle bound kind of guy. He's he's the thinking man's action star. Yeah. Um, Targray says, "What is your favorite Nicolas Cage style aesthetically? Goofy, goofy or cool looking? Which of his appearances do you like the most? Beard, no beard, burning skull, ill fitting suits, or tank tops?" Or the ad for aforementioned con air hair, con hair. Sorry, con very hair. funny. The, the priest and face off is the best. Priest and face off, very funny. The that one shot long. Yeah. The con yeah. hair when he comes out with the wet with the tank top off of that bus or plane or whatever. Next level stuff is bonkers. But be, I mean, he looks amazing in Mandy. Uh, all cage is good. Cage man. Yeah. I love the showing up to a interview panel, Nicolas Cage. Oh yeah, where he's just like wearing like three different outfits at the same at time. the same time. That's my Nicolas Cage right there. Yeah, yeah, real life Nicolas Cage, weirdly more absurdly dressed than any of his characters. Uh, Morgan Mahala says, "I do love running joke jokes. Can we ask Huber what it will take for him to watch the next episode of Patriot? If not, I suppose it's time to retire the hope." I do appreciate Patreon the initial discussions yeah. of Patriot. Patriot tier. Yeah. As it's a wonderful I show. Yeah. I don't watch anything by myself anymore. Like, if I watch something, it's usually with my wife. And we have, like, our own queue together. Ah, uh, so, like, so she's to blame. <laughs> she throw her under the bus. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, like, nigh impossible for me to watch, a lo- like, a show on my own nowadays. It's, like, it rarely happens. I started Avatar The Last Airbender, like, months ago. I'm all, it's, it's a good one. Tw- 20-minute episodes. I'm still only on episode 10. Like, it just, I can't maybe, even finish. Maybe here where we can, once we're back in the studio someday, we can do a thing where we, like, watch Patriot and, and Dude, make, be down. make commentaries for all of them. That'd be so. Um, the way to do it is just to watch like one random episode of just a show, like not like <laughs> in sequence or anything. It's like episode five of the Patriot or whatever, and then just comment <laughs> and like make up your own lore. That's yeah, how you do it. Uh, Morgan Mahala also made a game for us, the Nick Cage game. I will list a project, and you only need to decide if it's an upcoming Nicolas Cage project or not. The ones that don't involve Nicolas Cage will be from David Cage, no relation, and Nick Jonas, also no relation. Uh, first one is Untitled Joe Exotic Project. Is that Nick Cage, David Cage, Nick Cage. or Nick Jonas? Yeah, that's Nick Cage, Nick Cage I know, for Nick sure. I saw, that. I saw that a while ago. Not uh, the movie, but like the, that it was happening. Next up is The Dark Sorcerer. 
David Cage. Correct. Next up is Chaos Walking. Nick Jonas. Wow, yep. You were uh, next one is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Nick Cage. Nicholas Cage. That's the movie about himself? Dude, right? that's he plays himself, high. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to that one. Omnicron. Like should direct that, though. Oh, yeah. Who's directing that movie? I don't know. Look it up. Omnicron, Omicron, the Nomad Soul. David Cage. Correct. Six <laughs> Ugly Dolls. Nick Jonas. Correct. We're, we're aces so far. Uh, the Blacksmith. <laughs> this not, one, dude. It's not Nick Cage. David Cage. Nick Jonas. Nick Jonas. Damn it, Jonas. Nick Jonas. That they was my gut, too. I went against my gut. And Wally's Wonderland. That's Nick Cage. Mm, I don't think it is. I'm going to say... It's got to be Nick Cage. Jonas? It's Nick Cage. I don't know what it is, but it's a Nicolas Cage forthcoming upcoming project. And that will do it for this week's, month's, year's reaction shots about nick cage hey. uh <laughs> patreon.com slash easy allies uh we have a tier two tiers involved in this show for seven dollars and up you can join the easy allies film club where you get to uh put in for those uh discussions really great discussions happen there and that's where i pull all these comments from and you also can see uh our sometimes updated favorite film lists um, and there are a few other little treats. Like we did a couple of commentaries back in the day. Maybe sometime we'll do another one of those. Uh, and uh, then another tier that is involved in this show is the shoutouts tier, our top tier on Patreon. This month, our shoutouts are Al Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, Jeff Zero VGM Easton. Shout out. Thank you. Shout out. <laughs> Nicholas Cage shouts out to you. Um, wait, hold that thing up again. His mouth is so weird because it's like, yeah, it's got like teeth on the sides. So yes, it was a it was a dotted line, and I cut it out. Okay, okay. So free, and it has googly eyes. It does have googly eyes. Did you make that for this, or did you? No, no, I made this. Oh, my internet died. Luises that I saw. Wait, start over. Start over. My internet died. Sorry. I was. I made this for a twelve-hour uh, Nicolas Cage marathon that I attended at some point, like I don't know, seven, eight years ago, something like that. In the before um, times. In the before times, when movie theaters were safe. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was like just back-to-back Nick Cage movies all day, and uh, I like some people bought tickets for like one or two of the movies. And I was like, why would you do that? Why bother? Like, <laughs> I want all twelve hours of Nick Cage, and I I got it. And wow! This was one of the one of the things that was there available for, um, like you know, crafting or whatever. That's so, so funny. I, I wore my blanket to to uh, to it. some people like you know dressed up in costumes and stuff. The but blanket I, behind I, you. Yes. So good. Yeah, uh, it was great, and I, I wanted more of it. And it was unfortunately it was a one off. It only happened that one time. Yeah, oh, I would think about going to something like that. That'd be fun. Uh, well. Thank you both very much. Thank you all for listening or watching, and we will see you next month for another exciting reaction shots.
Bye. Bye. Ha! You call yourself a psychiatrist. <laughs>